It's been dizzyingly fast, but the last fortnight has turned everything we thought we knew about the economy on its head. There's hardly a business in the country that won't have seen an impact from this. Hundreds of thousands of people are grappling with the reality of losing their jobs. You're seeing the worst of humankind at the same time as seeing the very best. For the last few weeks, we've been following the story of one business owner and his fight to keep his life's work afloat. Is the government's bailout going to work? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, what does corona mean for jobs? Hi, I'm Henny Yin. I live in London and I'm 27 years old. I was working as a content curator for an organization up until a few weeks ago when I was let go because of the coronavirus. The organization I worked for has a huge event every year in February. It's 10,000 plus people and they had to make the call to cancel it because of the coronavirus. My honest opinion is that they made the right choice, but unfortunately it resulted in a huge financial hit and that meant that they had to let many contractors go and that included me. Hello, I'm Tom, I'm 32 and a chef from London. Before COVID-19, I was due to open a restaurant for a small restaurant group, but was told last Tuesday that the project had been scrapped and that I was unemployed. I'm sad about the restaurant, but moreover, I'm scared about what will be left of the hospitality industry when this is all over. I'm currently thinking about trying to retrain in another field. So my name is Spencer Craig. Um, I run a business called Pure, based mainly in central London. Spencer is the co-founder of a string of healthy takeaway food shops. The shorthand is that we're, we're a bit like a, a Pret-a-Manger. And the business is everything to him. My wife is called Jenny. We met in the, one of the shops about 12 years ago because she made a complaint. She hates the story, but that is absolutely true. I, I, I owe everything to this business. My whole, my whole life and family is, <laughs> is uh, linked to Pure. At the start of March, Spencer's business was at the height of its success after years of hard work. We were so proud that we had won a competitive tender to be in one of the, you know, the, the, the busiest airport terminals in the UK and in the world and to have this really prestigious site. So it was the, the culmination of a lot of work. But just weeks before the scheduled opening of his shop at Gatwick Airport, the COVID-19 outbreak left him with no choice but to let 40 new members of staff go. He'd just hired them to work at the new Gatwick branch and many of them had left secure jobs to join Pure. We persuaded them to join us on our journey, persuaded them that this was going to be the place for their career, their future. And yeah, we've let them down because the shop is not open. And yeah, that's a... Yeah, we, 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 had, we had to let them go whilst remembering that we've got another 370-odd people that are in the company that we're also trying to protect. There's no easy uh, choices in this situation. Spencer's situation is typical of many businesses right now. 
Bloomberg Economics has estimated the shutdown of the economy could cost Britain 700,000 jobs. I think it's fair to say it's been a, a bit of a wrecking ball for for all sorts of sectors and, and just the speed of it is absolutely unprecedented. James Hurley, the Times' Enterprise editor, has been working as a business journalist for 13 years. I mean, I was around reporting on how companies were affected by uh, the financial crisis of about a decade ago, and this is completely different. The impact on the real economy there took quite a long time to be felt. Here we've already had a much, much more significant impact on real jobs, real businesses than we ever saw in 2008. You know, we're already seeing closures, we're already seeing layoffs, companies having to temporarily close their doors, enormous mental strain on on founders. The word, I guess, unprecedented is it has been coming up repeatedly and, and I think we'll continue to do so. And you're right, back then there was a bit of a lag before you felt how bad things had got for the economy, whereas now people are, people are being laid off in a matter of weeks. What are you hearing from business owners? There's hardly a business in the country that won't have seen an impact from this. I, I was speaking to restaurant owners, retailers, builders, merchants, as long ago as about a week and a half. And they were saying they were they were experiencing about a 50% drop-off in trade. If you experience a 50% drop-off in trade, you, you are really getting into questions of survival. It was something that Spencer from Pure was thinking a lot about. He remembers one Monday morning, earlier this month, when he checked the tills at one of his branches. So I was sitting at my desk looking at the, looking at the, the till feed and you can just see what's happened. You know, we were down you know, 80% by 8 o'clock and you just, just knew at that point that this was, this was coming going to be far worse and far quicker and far more extreme than, than, than any forecast we had. It was very obvious that it was going to be extremely severe. Stock markets opened in a state of high anxiety, which gave way to panic. Stock fell so quickly when the markets opened. Trading was suspended for 15 minutes. This is a day, if not of first, then of staggering proportions not seen since the height of the global financial crisis. Today, I can announce that for the first time in our history, the government is going to step in and help to pay people's wages. We're setting up a new coronavirus job retention. As the economy went into freefall, the government took drastic action to support people and businesses. It was the sort of thing that if you told people to imagine a month ago, they would have laughed. It was Friday the 20th of March when the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, announced that the Treasury would pay 80% of people's wages when their employer was unable to do so because of the virus effectively nationalising wages for the first time. Employers will be able to contact HMRC for a grant to cover most of the wages of people who are not working but are furloughed and kept on... So that's it. And obviously you caught me just after them. The clarity is we're going to be closed for an indefinite period and the team, are, the frontline team are going to get 80% of their wages. Spencer watched the speech and was overwhelmed by the lifeline it handed him and his staff... We caught up with him straight after the broadcast. I'm not sure what it means for the most, you know, for the other people in the team, the more senior people, or the managers and stuff. And for the frontline team, it's they're going to be protected, and that just uh, makes me I'm probably a bit emotional about that. That to know that you know that they're going to be protected is uh, is, is brilliant. 
but there wasn't much time to celebrate. Spencer and his team had to start shutting down his remaining shops. So crazy, this stuff, you know, so much resource and mental energy and got into that. But yeah, exactly. So we, we are, we just call, we got the five shops. We're, uh, we're calling them all out to, to all close with immediate effect. Meanwhile, James Hurley, the Enterprise editor at The Times, was also watching the speech. Well, I think I uh, put a sort of mind blown emoji on on Twitter was my <laughs> was my immediate reaction just because it's like you know on reflection that intervention seemed pretty vital actually and and uh, and I think a pretty sensible response to the crisis but in the moment it still seems so extraordinary to see any chancellor and certainly a conservative chancellor doing such a huge intervention in the economy that feels like a kind of mind-blowing sort of epoch-defining moment to me I, I was pretty shocked but then when you sort of sit back and think about it it's like well uh, what choice did he have the alternative is joblessness running into millions and millions, the disappearance of hundreds of thousands, maybe more companies. If you have that many people unemployed, unable to properly participate in the economy, needing benefit support, not contributing taxes, you're really looking at a kind of 1930s style depression, I think, and, and really starting to sort of raise questions about, you know, what impact this is going to have on the very fabric of society, really. Last week, after days of uncertainty and hashing out the details, Spencer realised that the staff at his unopened Gatwick shop would be covered by the government's wage support scheme. He wouldn't have to lay them off after all. They were ecstatic. Um, for them, they were extremely, yeah, extremely happy and relieved and nice to be able to give us give some good news at this time. Since the, the initial package was announced, what are you hearing from businessmen? So the level of understanding is not great. And I would say that's not the fault of business owners uh, at all. There's, there's, there's a few problems here. Take, for example, the uh, wage support scheme for furloughed workers. We have no detail on that yet, other than the very, very basics of the scheme. That isn't very helpful if you're a business owner trying to work out what to do with staff and how this thing will work. The government will pay self-employed people who have been adversely affected by the coronavirus a taxable grant worth 80% of their average monthly profits... On Thursday, the government finally outlined its long-awaited financial rescue package for the self-employed. Up to £2,500 a month. This scheme will be open to people across the UK for at least three months and I will extend it for longer if necessary. I think the Treasury has estimated that about 3.8 million people will benefit from this support. But there's some important caveats there for people who don't qualify. Uh, so the losers here have been people who have incorporated, so either people who are owner-managers of small and medium-sized companies or more conventional freelancers who've been told to incorporate, i.e. set up a company on the advice of their accountant, they're not going to qualify for this. And also people who have newly turned to self-employment are not going to qualify either. And when you add those two groups up, that is uh, going to get towards a couple of million people who are, who are not going to benefit from this. But even for those who do qualify, the big question is what do people do until they get the cash grant in June? 
Well, I think a lot of them would would respond by saying good question. Uh, they can access the benefit system, um, but if they haven't been in the system already, even that's going to take probably a few weeks to do. Uh, so a lot of them are going to be facing a, a really difficult few weeks where they've got to wait for benefits, which of course will be modest anyway, maybe below what they need to feed themselves and their family and keep the lights on. There's still so much confusion about how a lot of this will be implemented. There's even uncertainty around the government's proposed rent freeze, according to James Hurley. Effectively, uh, landlords are not going to be able to forfeit leases for non-payment of rent for the next three months. Now, for all sorts of high street businesses like hospitality, retail, leisure, that is absolutely crucial. What that support does is not provide you with a rent-free period. You still owe the money. It just gives you a grace period. That said, of course, because the rent is still due, there is the risk that for a lot of people, all we've really done is store the problem up for another day. And since his shops have been shut, Spencer has found that much of his time and effort are being spent trying to sort out what to do with rent. So far, mixed results. That's the biggest battle that we're in now, and it is a a battle. We've got some landlords who have been brilliant and acted really quickly and honourably and totally get the situation, which is that everyone's going to have to take some pain here. Unfortunately, we have other landlords who are maybe not seeing the human side to this and not seeing that so many people will will suffer if they absolutely insist that um, they get full payment. So um, there are lots of people who are behaving really in a extremely dishonourable, <laughs> if that's the right word, but um, just uh, you're seeing, seeing the worst of humankind at the same time as seeing the very best. Some of the scientific advice that's been coming out of the you know, the, the government committees, SAGE, so the, the scientific advisory group, has basically indicated that some of this might go on for months, if if not maybe even a year. What happens then? What happens to the Treasury? Can we afford it? By any conventional method, the answer to the question, is this affordable, has to be no. You couldn't have imagined any chancellor, even maybe John McDonnell coming up with this kind of intervention. But then, you know, this is effectively a kind of warlike emergency, really, where basically all the normal rules go out of the window. And ultimately, you know, I'm not an economist, but I guess that the Bank of England is going to have to step in and finance this through quantitative easing, effectively, it's effectively a sort of money printing, really, um, so that so that this can be paid for. Um, it's not affordable. And a lot of these measures are for one quarter. Is this going to be over in three months? Almost certainly not. But I think we're looking at the the possibility of either an absolutely enormous, unprecedented short-term economic shock, or if it's something longer, we're just getting into something that's kind of quite unimaginable, really. And, you know, the the thing that people tend to go back to is the 1930s depression and the kind of thing that happened in America, the, the kind of stuff that was so well portrayed by, by John Steinbeck. But, you know, even is even that analogous to, to basically the, the whole economy being mothballed for such a long period? It's, it's just it's really a frightening prospect. You're talking to a lot of business people every day. How much of an effect do you think it's ha- having on people's mental health? 
If you put yourself in the shoes of uh, a small business owner, you know, imagine someone who spent the last 5, 10, 15, maybe 20 years uh, building up a company that they founded based on an idea, you know, for, for a lot of business owners, this is their this is their life, it's their passion, they put everything into it. And then to see that kind of, you know, borderline destroyed, really, certainly damaged beyond recognition, more or less overnight through something which uh, is is no fault of their own, uh, that's going to test the sturdiest of uh, of people. You know, you, you'd have to be a, a robot really to to not take a significant emotional impact from that. And there's the personal side of that, but also a lot of the people I've spoken to are enormously concerned about the impact of 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 their staff as well. We, we've seen some some uh, business owners and and directors unfortunately coming across as a little bit callous in how they're treating their staff, but but that's not the case for a lot of the people that I speak to who really, really do care about uh, their workers and feel, feel a, a personal responsibility towards them. Spencer falls into the latter category. Every shop has got a WhatsApp group, so every manager is in touch with every person, and just to be absolutely sure that everyone is accounted for all the time as people become ill and that they don't slip off the grid. A lot of our teams might live in shared accommodation or they live in a room of a house by themselves and don't know that many people in London. And that could be a very kind of lonely, dark uh, place. And how we can support people that are closest to us, the people that we know that are going to be affected by a a lockdown. It's going to be a tough, tough few months ahead for everyone. So on one hand, they're seeing their sort of baby, if you like, their their business facing destruction. And then all these people that they feel responsible, they're they're really worried about their futures as well. And so, you know, for a lot of people, that that is just an absolutely enormous strain. I mean, that, that, that too, I suppose, will have a toll on, on the economy when it comes to picking up again. The question is, you know, how ready are people going to be to, to get back to work? What, what sort of mental state are people going to be in to, to get their companies moving again and for employees to, to come back to work? It's, it's something that, that, that you can't overlook. It does seem like these government measures have been absolutely essential in trying to rescue a lot of the economy. Do you think, though, that in a few years' time we might we might come to regret them? I don't think so. I mean, I think I think that we might regret how we've tried to do some of them. But you know, the big picture is you know what option has the the government got? It can't just sort of sit back and let companies go and let you know five, six, seven million people be unemployed, hundreds of thousands of people lose their businesses, self-employed people being unable to get any income. The government had to had to intervene, and that said, of course, it will have. Uh, enormous consequences for the national finances and and the economy going forward and and we're all going to have to all going to have to live with that for now spencer still has all his staff but he's worried about the future we've been through recessions and stuff but we're talking no sales i don't think anyone's experienced that um no sales for a unknown period there's also difficult is what happens afterwards has the world changed dramatically (laughs) 
yes, I do, I do, I do fear because you just don't know what the other. We don't know how long this is going to be, and we don't know what the other side looks like. On a personal level, I hope that I behaved as well as I as well as I could to protect the the business and the the people that are in it. Not knowing when your next paycheck is is quite nerve wracking. And when I really sit down to think about finances, it is quite anxiety inducing. I try to stay really positive. I um, I just think it's a period of now that's tough, but it's tough for everyone and it's tough for the whole world. So I really hope that we'll all get through this together and I know I will be fine. I can go out there and I will be fine. I will be great. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, James Hurley, the Times Enterprise editor, and Spencer Craig, the co-founder of Pure. These are uncertain times, and if you want more information on coronavirus, you can access expert analysis on the latest developments with the Times' dedicated daily coronavirus newsletter. Sign up for free at thetimes.co.uk slash coronavirus. The producers today were Will Rowe, Asia Fuchs and Brenna Daldorf. The executive producer is Leo Hornack and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. You can subscribe now so that you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. Acast.